0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Camp Arawak. Send your kids to Camp Arawak for a summer they'll never forget. Under the october where the steam In Chicago's and Wollos Come at the grand light making a sound. The smell of death is all around. And In night when the cold no one cares, knows. Hello, my name is Chris.
1: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, 1983's Sleepaway Camp and 2015's Summer Camp. It's the Summer Camp weekend!
1: Yay!
0: But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show?
1: With uh, With slash cards.
0: Give me what you got.
1: Before becoming a diabetes medicine p- spokesman.
0: Is, does it have it in quotes like that? No. Oh, damn.
1: Wilfred Brimley had a supporting role in what John Carpenter film?
0: Okay, so specifically John Carpenter, it's The Thing. Yes. Yeah. How'd he you was, know that? Because it's Wilfred Brimley. Why wouldn't I know that?
1: <laughs> Who is he in The Thing? I've uh, seen it. Like, in its totality, like, once.
0: He's, like, the fatter guy. <laughs> I guess there were a couple fatter guys. <laughs> uh, he's also in Cocoon, but I think he might have been a diabetes spokesman by then. I don't know. I don't know. Kelsey. Yes? An FBI cadet seeks the help of a cannibal to catch a serial killer in this 1991 film. Say it again. Seriously? An FBI cadet seeks the help of a cannibal to catch a serial killer in this 1991 film.
1: Silence of the Lambs. I don't know why, but my brain (laughs) created in its mind as you were saying it, like a buddy cop movie where one of them's a cannibal. And I was like, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Great start. (laughs) All right, now on to 1983's Sleepaway Camp, written and directed by Robert Hiltzik, starring Felisa Rose, Jonathan Tiersten, and Karen Fields. Kelsey, what's the premise of Sleepaway Camp?
1: Two kids go off to summer camp, they're cousins, and uh, unfortunately, well, not so unfortunately, because you hate all the people who die, um... (laughs) Some sort of killer is stalking the people who mistreat these cousins.
0: Alrighty then. It is available if you are a Shudder subscriber on Shudder. Pretty sure it's available on YouTube for free. Um, But it is also available to rent for like three bucks, buy for eight bucks. Should people watch this movie? Yes. Absolutely they should. This movie is amazing. It is amazing.
1: Dear mom and dad, I've been at sleepaway camp for almost three weeks and I'm getting very scared.
0: Someone is watching you. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Sleepaway Camp. You won't be coming home. Rated R. Kelsey, what happens in Sleepaway Camp?
1: So we open on a scene where two kids are in a boat with their father. And they're just playing around, horsing around. Uh, And eventually the two kids get on the same end as their father, and they tip the boat over, and they fall into the water. Um, And at the same time, on this lake, there is a speedboat with two teenagers and a third teenager out water skiing. And the third teenager, water skiing, is obviously afraid, though that's totally unimportant. Right. And um, the two in the boat, uh, there's a boy driving and a girl sitting there, and the girl really wants to drive. Even though, I mean, that I think is supposed to be the reason this happens, but either neither of them saw the boat, so I don't know why it mattered who was driving. Um, right,
0: it was a lot of, like, the, the, the chick in the who was actually water skiing, like,
1: there's a boat, there's a boat, look in front of you, you idiots!
0: And they're like, what is she saying? There's a boat! In front of you! I can't tell what she's saying. Do you understand what she's saying? Because I don't understand what she's saying. Turn around! I seriously can't hear her. And then, boom, they ramp off this boat that's in front of them.
1: Yeah, and so they kill the father, and they kill one of the kids. And that's how the movie starts. (laughs) Off
0: to an exciting start.
1: Yeah. Then we meet this aunt... Who they had been talking about on the boat, but it doesn't matter. They I mean, call her she,
0: the doctor in that scene.
1: Yeah, she's... she's Who ends up living is the daughter. And she, the aunt, has her own son, and she nicely takes them in. But it's very clear from the get-go that there's something very off with this woman. Uh, you can she, tell
0: just from her speech patterns.
1: Yeah, she... She acts like how you would expect like a 50s housewife from a TV show would talk, but even even more awkward and strange than right. that. Richard! Angela! Oh, here you are! Look what I did! I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp! Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? Any chips? Why, of course! I believe there's a whole bag... So I'm almost sure of it. Um there's a lot of finger to her her cheek when she's thinking and she thinks out loud like no, that wouldn't do at all. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: and very loud.
1: <laughs> yes, and she's very very strange and then cut to several years later and the the her the aunt's son and our main character Angela are going off to summer camp and they're like 13 years old or something. And as they're walking out the door, the aunt says, um, "Now here are your physicals, but don't let anyone ask how you got them. I am a doctor, after all." And it's, it's very strange. And so we know
0: that they're fake, funny physicals that yes. she got them because she's a doctor, but we don't know why.
1: And the cousin um, says, "Don't worry, mom. No matter what, I, I won't ever tell." And like the 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 boy is obviously very protective of the cousin. He's very nice to her, etc. And he's very annoyed with his mother. I mean, who the hell yeah, wouldn't be with having that mom. kind of mom? But yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's very accepting of it. Uh-huh. He's never like, Oh my god, you're a fucking freak. Yeah. He's just very like, oh my god, let's go. Like, come on. And you know, but that's it. So then uh, off to camp we go. And when they get off the bus, we immediately see the people who work for the camp. And these guys are wearing.
0: Yeah, so Ronnie is like the bodybuilder type, straight out of Brooklyn. And.
1: He's a nice guy, too. Yeah, every
0: time he says Angela's name, he makes me think of that scene in Rick and Morty where they're watching like Who's the Boss? And Tony Danzis is Angela. A dimension where all proper nouns begin with shmla.
1: Shmla, shmla Angela, shmla Nathan. All right, that, got, that, that actually got old
0: pretty quick. Like her name, like that's the way he calls our main character, Angela. It's the same exact thing. But he's like a bodybuilder type, and in every scene, you can see an outline of his dick. <laughs> every single one of they them. They
1: all wear tiny, tiny tight shorts.
0: Yep, it is the early 80s. And many
1: of the men are wearing...
0: Cut-off shirts.
1: That, like, go up to just under their nipples. I'm not yeah, kidding. Uh-huh. It is...
0: That was a thing. It is very interesting. I
1: don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it is very odd. Uh, very jolting for the... For the present day audience. Anyway, Chris mentioned the fact that they all have these weird accents. They do, but then some characters don't. Yeah. It's like it's like they it's got... probably
0: somewhere in upstate New York is my
1: guess. Exactly. I feel like all of the little characters were picked from upstate New York. And then the main characters were picked from wherever. And so they all sound normal. And then everybody else is like talking like exactly as Chris just described. Angela. <laughs> I wish I, I I've got some lines I'll probably get to them later but we also so.
0: as you were saying we also get to meet some more people that were that are working there including uh Robert Earl Jones who if you're wondering yes he is James Earl Jones's dad
1: and he looks a lot like him but uh, yes skinny. he
0: did also give him the same middle name yep. As well as James Earl Jones' brother, also is an Earl Jones as well. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, but dude, I'm just going to say it. Dude sounds straight out of Song of the South. Like the way he's talking and the way he treats his boss.
1: Who is white. I wasn't thinking much about myself, Mr. Costick. I just don't see how something like that could happen. And he never looks at him in the eye. It's very strange. It's really
0: weird. And I wonder if that was a conscious choice or what? Because it was 83. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, it was very, very weird. But this is an old black actor. I, I don't know if that was a choice they made or what. There's also Artie, who's the cook, who is disgusting.
1: Yeah, he says some really foul shit. Where um, I come
0: from, we call them baldies. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Um, Does it make
0: your mouth water.
1: Ain't no such thing as as too young where I'm from.
0: Yeah, it's...
1: Meanwhile, James Earl Jones...
0: <laughs> Robert Earl Jones. Sorry,
1: Robert Earl Jones laughs, laughs and says, they don't know what you're going to talk about. And it's just like, why are you laughing? Is it because he's white and you don't feel comfortable going against right. him? Right,
0: or do you not think he's going to do anything? Or do you not
1: think there's a problem with it? It,
0: it seems like this is something that happens every year, like... I get the sense that Artie is like this all the time. And I don't know if people just come to accept it and don't do anything about it, or they just assume that, oh, he's just all talk. But, I mean, one of the first things to happen is that he tries to molest Angela Mm -hmm. in their uh, pantry.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And Ricky comes in on him, and he threatens Ricky. And... That means Artie is the first one to die.
1: Yes. But we're not quite there yet. That's fine. Um, we meet Judy, who Ricky had a thing with last summer. Yeah. But this got summer boobs now. <laughs> yeah, this summer she's really filled out and <laughs> all the guys want her, which is hilarious because she's really not that filled out. No. Like but the way I mean, they describe it, you ex- right? But like the way they describe it, you think she's gonna be like got a huge rack, and she does not, right? Yeah. Um. And yet her face looks like she's like forty.
0: Yeah, that's the <laughs> other thing. Is okay. So all the counselors and even some of the quote unquote older kids, right? So this camp obviously has a wide range of kids from like eight to eighteen. Like it's mm-hmm. really really wide, but. All the 18-year-olds are played by 30-year-olds, <laughs> and everyone else is played by 15-year-olds. <laughs> like, it's it's really drastic, the age differences, and Judy is one of those that's like, you look way too old to be Ricky's
1: girlfriend. Uh, uh But she's got, like, this ridiculous... She's She must be super short. She's got ridiculously long hair that goes down to, like, her fucking knees.
0: She is really short when you compare her to the other yeah. people there, yeah.
1: We also meet uh, Angela's uh, camp leaders. One of them is named Meg, who's just a major epic bitch right out the gate. Yeah. Judy is also a major bitch. So Ricky like at- goes to talk to her, and she basically just uh, brushes him off. She's no longer interested because now all the guys are into her, which is weird because she's really not that attractive. No,
0: But- You know, she's quote-unquote outgoing.
1: Yes. I think that's the thing. True. Oh, and it's made very clear very quickly, Angela does not speak. Right. She stares out unblinking and just kind of walks along and doesn't talk.
0: I can't confirm this, but there is one scene where you see her just staring into the middle distance, eating a candy bar. Unblinkingly, And that was part of the audition, was to see if any of the girls that were auditioning for the part could just do that. Just stare unblinkingly into the middle distance eating a candy bar. And she got the part, because she could do it really well.
1: Yeah. And she's in the in the bunk, and of course, in the bunk, she's staying with Judy and Meg. And I can't remember the other camp counselor's name that she has, but it's another chick. And the other chick is nicer, but still friends with Meg. It's odd.
0: Yeah, she's, like, really on Angela's side, and it's like, stop bugging her, but they're still, like, really good friends. It's very weird. You'd think they wouldn't be, but she's the complaint department, as Meg puts it.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's clear right off the bat that Judy and Meg do not like um, Angela because she is very different and just stares, right? Right.
0: At first, she stares at Judy, you know, and Judy doesn't like that. And, and then she doesn't participate in volleyball. And Judy and Meg both don't like that. And they harass her for it. And it's, it's really funny because it really gets to them. Like, really, really gets to them. Angela just doesn't say anything. She just looks at them while they're yelling at her. And then they just get angrier and angrier and angrier until they're shouting, her, shouting at her and grabbing her and shaking her. And people, they need to be peeled off of her. And she's not Angela's not doing anything. Just yeah, sitting there and being quiet.
1: Now I have had students who don't talk. Yeah, and when I need them to do something, that can be frustrating. Yeah, but I usually just say, "Okay, if you're not going to do it, you're not going to do it," and I walk away. Yeah. Um. But other kids, when they're just sitting there quietly, I'm like, it's a little weird. Whatever, I walk right. away. Like it doesn't upset me. It's right. it's very they, if they strange. They want to be
0: quiet. Let them be quiet. Exactly. They don't, participate. They don't have to participate. Like. Yeah. It's- also,
1: though, if I met somebody who acted that way, I would assume something was wrong with them mentally. Right. And so I would actually be probably be way more, like...
0: Understanding? Forgiving and understanding. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: But kids aren't, and that's a real thing. They still aren't today. So, I get it. I get that these girls would be major bitches to her.
0: Right. And But, I mean, her dad died in a horrible accident. But
1: they don't know that.
0: Right. And But now she's not talkative, like...
1: Right. So... Then at breakfast, that's why she ends up going into the pantry is because Meg gets pissed at her because she won't eat and is like uh-huh.
0: And Ronnie has out. to be like, whoa, 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 what's going on here?
1: Yeah, and Ronnie's really nice and he's like, well, let's take you into the kitchen. Let's get you something to eat.
0: Ronnie and his dick. I think every time we mention <laughs> Ronnie, we're going to have to say Ronnie and his dick. Which
1: is sad because Ronnie's a really nice he's character. He's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> And his biceps. My God, they're bulging out of his body. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So he takes her into the back, into the kitchen, and asks Artie to go see if they can find something that she'll like. And he's like, oh, I think I got something that she'll like. And takes her into the back. Meanwhile, Ricky comes looking for her. And just as Artie has his belt unbuckled and Angela's walking backwards, uh, Ricky comes in. And Artie gets pissed, grabs him, throws him against the wall, and threatens him. And I think, is it Ronnie comes in, or somebody comes in and interrupts them too, and...
1: No, I think Ricky just says, I'll do whatever you want, just let me go. Because he says, you better not say anything. Right. And so he and Angela go running out. So then, cut to later, or is it the... No, uh, the head guy... Whatever his name is. Mel. Mel walks in, and he sees the two kids running out, and he's like, what happened? Yeah. And the dude is just no, like...
0: No, nothing. I must have scared him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you did. hmm And does nothing.
1: Does nothing about Obviously
0: it. Obviously, he knows what's going on there.
1: Yeah, it's...
0: Mel is a prick.
1: Mel is a bastard, especially when you find out what happens later. Yeah. Anyway, so... Cut to uh, the fat guy, the cook. Artie. Artie. Uh, working on boiling corn or making soup or whatever it is. It's a gigantic, tall pot. Because he has to make food for all these kids and there are tons of them. Right. So he's standing up on top of a chair and we see from the killer's perspective, they push him and he falls forward and... And he look, turns around. He says, "What are you doing? You could have killed me." So, like, obviously, he knows who this person is. Yeah, and he's not really afraid of him until the person is like pushing the chair out from under yeah, he's him.
0: like, oh, oh! I'll give you a candy bar. I'll
1: give you anything you want. Right. And it's really if you're if you're like me and you're thinking like that wouldn't work to kill them. Well, that's because the person's not trying to kill them. The person's yeah. just trying to hurt them. So they push them, and this boiling, this enormous thing of boiling water falls all over him, and he's severely burned. Now,
0: you have to think about how long did it take the ambulances to get there and all of that. He's been, de- he's been in writhing in pain for how long? And he does this thing with the hands in, like the claw from Liar Liar. Oh, you're scared of the claw. Ah, you see that a lot in this movie. People doing the claw. <laughs> um, he is all burned up. The boils that are like throbbing popping. and popping and stuff like they that. They did a good job
1: with the makeup. Really,
0: really good. But he is still alive.
1: Right. But he so- can't do
0: anything but scream at this point.
1: Right. And you might be wondering why isn't he saying who did it?
0: Cuz he's just screaming.
1: <laughs> right. But there's also a reason that comes up later, I'd say. Yeah. When you find out who the killer is, it makes more sense that. And it's also really confusing because it's like why how why and how did they bandage him up completely inside the kitchen? Yeah. Cuz when they we carry see him, him out. yeah, when we see him get taken out, he's completely bandaged. So weird. Um, I meant to do research about this movie that I did not do. What's the question? Um, who, What has this director done? What have the actors done? And what has the writer done?
0: The writer and the director are the same person.
1: Because all three are straight out of soap operas.
0: So he only has five writing credits. Those are Sleepaway Camp, Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers, based on an original idea by. Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland, based on an original idea by. Sleepaway Camp 4, production footage, video documentary, and characters, because they use characters that he created. And finally, Return to Sleepaway Camp, which he actually wrote. So the only two real actual writing credits he has are Sleepaway Camp and Return to Sleepaway Camp from about. Ten years ago. The only two things he's ever directed, Sleepaway Camp and Return to Sleepaway Camp. So, this is all he's done?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know, because it felt like I was watching a soap opera. So much of the writing and so much of the acting is... It's just
0: over-the-top melodrama? Yes. Yeah.
1: The reason I say that is because here we get a, a clip with the doctor and the way the doctor talks is straight out of a soap opera. Yeah. He's literally got, like, his glasses in one hand and he's, like, tapping his other hand with it. And he's like, I just don't know, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, feels, it feels very soapy. Also, this kitchen is disgusting. There's hanging fly traps everywhere. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so fucking it Creates gross. a mood. <laughs> yes. Then cut to Ricky and Ricky is obviously well liked by the kids in his bunk. Uh, I'd say he's probably in their crowd. He's probably the most popular. Yeah,
0: he's a popular kid.
1: He does this sit-up butt prank, which yeah. is you know, it's very, it's very um, thirteen, and it's very yeah. straight out of a summer camp. Right. Like a lot of what the kids do feels very real.
0: Also, shaving cream on a hand, tickling the nose, slap yourself in the face while you're sleeping. That too. Like, yeah, it's it's very summer camp prank.
1: And then there's this long-ass scene of them playing baseball.
0: Okay, yeah. And it's
1: it's all meant to set up why these kids don't like Ricky, but it goes on for way too long.
0: Yeah, it's like ten minutes of a baseball scene (laughs) of the younger kids versus the older kids, and the younger kids win. And their camp counselor, the guy who wears the short off shirts, one of them,
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, is there, too. And he's likable as well. Um, this, it only, it only serves one purpose as far as I'm, well, I guess two. In addition to the one that you point out, which is the older kids really hate Ricky because he's not scared of them. Yeah, it gives,
1: it gives them a reason to dislike him.
0: And number two, to have this line. Eat shit and
1: die, Ricky!
0: Eat shit and live, Bill. (laughs) So good.
1: It is my favorite line. So good. Eat shit and die, Ricky! Eat shit and live, Bill. (laughs) It's amazing. It makes me crack up every time I see it.
0: The only purpose is to show the older kids don't like Ricky because he's not intimidated by them. And... For that line. Yes. Really, really good. The the movie really makes Ricky seem likable, but he obviously has a short fuse. And he's, you know, he's kind of, he teases other kids, but he goes off on people that are mean to Angela.
1: Yeah, he's very protective of Angela, which at first seems really kind-hearted, sweet, and gentlemanly.
0: Yes, it really does at first.
1: So then we have a, a social. So it's like a dance that they do, like, I don't know, every Friday
0: or uh, something. And or is it every night? The music in this mess hall <laughs> is so good. <laughs> it's made just for the movie. Like all the music. It's like all original music. And I don't it remember is the music. Really bad.
1: <laughs> uh, and the boys are talking about how they're going to go skinny dipping. And they're, they can't get the girls to go. And so they look at Angela. And they're like, how about you go get Angela? And they're like, man, I've been watching her all week. She is fucked up. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's really funny but mean at the same time. And they
0: walk up to her. And they obviously try to pick her up so they can... Pull a prank on her and she's not responding at all.
1: And then, right in front of her, they're like, Yeah, she told you she's playing with half a deck, which is when Ricky shows up to defend her.
0: Yeah. Also,
1: Um, a a kid is wearing a blue oyster cult shirt.
0: Yeah, one of those kids (laughs) is wearing a blue oyster cult shirt. It's awesome. It's dope. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And then the guy running the camp again sees it happen and does nothing.
0: Right, he kind of gets mad at Ricky for yeah. yelling at them. He
1: just always gets mad at Ricky. It's always Ricky's fault.
0: Right, and so I think this is Mike is the is Ricky's best friend from camp, who actually gets Angela to say like good night, the first thing she's ever said. He sits down and he's actually nice to her. It's obvious he doesn't have an ulterior motive aside from getting to know her. And when he says goodbye, she says
1: goodnight. Because he, he knows. So Ricky told right. him what happened to the parent, to the father, yeah. and he's like, I would be messed up too, and I'm really sorry that happened to you. And she's like, oh my God, someone's actually being nice to me. Right. Which is what gets her to say goodnight. Goodnight.
0: And it's the first thing, like 45 minutes into the movie, it's the first thing you hear Angela say.
1: <laughs> and Judy hears it. Yeah. And gets raging pissed. Yeah. Cause now, Cause Judy's a fucking bitch. A boy isn't interested in her, but in Angela. Unacceptable. Yeah. So then we see them again, uh, go trying to go skinny dipping. Of course, the girls won't go. Apparently, Leslie is this idiot girl who they convinced to go out on a canoe in the middle of the night. Yeah. Which is odd. And then the kid, uh, you know, tips it over and gets her in the water, which was his whole like, oh, plan. Oh, you to see the
0: water snakes? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Obviously, he's talking about his dick.
1: Yes. And so she swims away. All the girls leave. And then all the guys are going to leave. And whoever this kid is, I don't know his name. Yeah. Apparently he swims under the canoe Because he thinks it's cool That he can make some sort of echo
0: Have you ever done that?
1: No Have you ever gotten
0: inside a capsized boat Like where there's a pocket of air right there It's really kind of neat (laughs) And there's great acoustics in there (laughs) And he thinks it sounds cool, and so he tries to scare her. He calls out to her in a spooky voice. Even
1: though she knows it's him. Right, yeah, yeah.
0: Nobody's just fucking with her, and he's, like, laughing at the way his voice sounds under there. And then all of a sudden, this head pops up.
1: Which makes no sense. How did no one see this person jump into the water? Yeah. How did no one uh, hear this person?
0: I got something that makes even less sense. Okay. When they find the boy's body because he's drowned... Right. By this person when they find the boy's body in the morning, it's like he's been underwater for three months and like uh, an actual water snake comes crawling which out of his cool. mouth, which is a nice little callback. That was kind of cool. Um, but he's also been out like they had to put him back on the dock that night. So it's not like he could be that waterlogged, but he is. It's really, really like it doesn't make any sense. But it's a really cool look. They did a great job of that.
1: So then we have this bizarre scene between the cop, who is there because this guy is dead, yeah, and the guy who runs it. And we have to put in some of this conversation because they speak like someone looked up in a thesaurus, all these different ways to say things. Yeah. Like, they do not talk the way these people would talk.
0: And effectively... What's happening here is the cop is saying, yeah, it looks like it's a drowning. And
1: Though, Mel's, of course, I'm no expert. Right.
0: Yes. You know, I need to tell you, it's inconclusive, but it looks like a drowning. Mel says, oh, it's a drowning. You said it. It's a drowning. It was a total accident and everything's fine. And Ronnie's there and he's like, but wait a minute. And Mel's like, no, shut up. <laughs> it was a drowning and we're all moving on. And later on, the cop's talking to Ronnie and he's like, what were you going to say earlier before Mel shut you up? And he's like... You know, I always remember that kid was a good swimmer.
1: Exactly. This is the way he sounds. But, I mean, I, I wish I had written down more of this dialogue. This dialogue is so amazing because it does not fit the rest of this film at all. Yeah. As far as I can tell, the boy drowned. Of course, we'll have to wait for the medical examiner to check him over before we can be certain. Of course he drowned.
0: He was horsing around. A canoe tipped over. He must have hit his head.
1: I don't think so. Weren't any bumps or bruises when I checked. Though, again, I'm no expert on this matter. It was
0: obviously an accident. I mean, the boy might have got scared and panicked, right? That could be a logical explanation. So it was one of those fluke accidents we could not have foreseen, and that is all there is to it.
1: I don't know. It was right? an accident! It's hilarious. So then they're doing a volleyball game, and this is when uh, they get pissed at her because she won't play. Yeah. And then the boy the friend of Ricky's comes up to talk to her and that pisses off Judy and uh-huh. Meg even more and so they come over and they're shouting at her uh, you know you're not a goddamn prima donna uh, type stuff and then it takes the other camp counselor from her bunk coming over and telling them to leave her the yeah. fuck alone uh-huh. again why are they friends right <laughs> um, and she sits down she's like you wanna go sailing <laughs> It's like, you'd think that someone would have told these people, like, right. she was in a horrific boating accident. Make sure she doesn't go anywhere near water. Like, right. But no one did. Um, And then they go to the movies. There's a movie night, and she goes with Ricky's friend. And when they leave, they're holding hands, and it's really cute. Uh-huh. But then he kisses her, and he barely, barely pecks her. Right,
0: and at first she's kind of like... <gasps> Like she's shocked, but she's not like alarmed. You know what I mean? Like she's like surprised, but that's she's not upset.
1: She's not comfortable with it, though. I think that's okay, pretty clear. Because he he's like, "Can I do it again?" And she just kind of stands there. And you can tell the fact that she doesn't speak is telling you she's not comfortable. That's right. what she did earlier in the film to show she was uncomfortable. That's a very good point. Yeah. And that's what she's doing now. Um, and that's the thing. A lot of guys think, oh, they didn't say no, so it's okay. Yeah,
0: that is not consent.
1: No. If the girl stops talking and doesn't respond, she's probably not into it. Right. And she, But she does say, I'm not mad, but she does say, I have to go now. So she goes inside. So Judy sees him, and she, like, tries to flirt with him, and he's just like, I gotta go, <laughs> and leaves. Yeah. So then we go to the boys' bunk. Where they do, like Chris said, the the um, shaving, shaving cream, cream which on gets Mozart
0: the nerd kid.
1: Yes, which gets Mozart the nerd to take out his knife and say, "I'm gonna kill you," and him walks the kid, their counselor, and he's like, "What." the fuck, and takes the knife, and he's like, you'll see this at the end of the summer if you're lucky, but Ricky, being the nice guy that he is, uh-huh. says, oh, he was just kidding.
0: Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Um, But still, I wouldn't fucking <laughs> yeah, let my no, kid, no, but this Mozart, knife is important, yeah. that's why I bring it up, because this knife is going to come out well before the end of the summer.
0: Mozart is an interesting kid, too, <laughs> so he gets this prank, this shaving cream prank, which is so basic and harmless, Right. Other than the fact that you're targeted by a prank, which does suck. Um, And he like pulls out a knife and starts chasing Ricky around. Also, earlier, he's in the outfield and he's playing a little (laughs) handheld boxing game when a ball gets hit. And he's like, oh, shit. And he tosses it down to the ground and he catches it like nothing. He throws it fine. Like he's a perfectly athletic kid and perfectly capable. He's not like your nerd stereotype. But he's also a nerd.
1: I think he's the new kid. Maybe. I think that's what it is. He's the new one for the summer. Right, yeah. Also, their counselor's name is Chino. Gino? Chino. Chino. Oh, come on, Chino. I don't know why that name makes me giggle so much.
0: I I don't have that listed here anywhere.
1: So then again, they're out and they're swimming this time. And Meg, the counselor, sees that, again, she, Angela is talking to Ricky's friend. I can't think of his name. What is his name?
0: I, I think it's Mike, but I could be way wrong. Okay, anyway. Could be, yeah, I don't know.
1: And he goes, here comes the Wicked Witch of the West. And then he just ditches her. He doesn't stay to, like, stick up for her or nothing. Yeah, uh-huh. He just leaves. And Meg shows up, and she's pissed. Um, And she's grabbing him, grabbing her. and Say that again. And uh, Meg starts to grab her, and again, Ronnie comes to Angela's rescue and is like, I want to see you in my cabin after this, after your post is done. Right. So that makes Judy angry at Angela again, because now she got Meg in trouble. She, like, starts to taunt her. And she starts screaming at her because, again, Angela just isn't responding. And that gets the other camp counselor who we like to slap Judy across the face. Yeah. And she is obviously like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. But it's like, dude, that chick deserved it.
0: Right. But nothing comes of this anyway. So it's kind of pointless.
1: So then Angela goes, is walking and she gets picked on by the older boys. Is this, this they where they throw, throw
0: the water balloons the water at her? The water balloon yeah. at her. And she just like, she gets hit by a water balloon. She collapses.
1: She just collapses to the ground. <laughs> now it's been a long time since I've been hit with a water balloon. But from what I remember, they barely sting a tiny bit. I mean,
0: these kids were tossing water balloons at each other. It obviously yeah. wasn't meant to harm people. Right. Um, and she just fucking collapses. <laughs> and Ricky... Ricky loses his mind at these you kids. You
1: cocksuckers, you pricks, you fucks! And just yells <laughs> all these things at these boys. <laughs> fucking bastards are gonna pay for this! Cocksuckers! Pricks! Come down and fight, you chicken shit! Pricks. Come down and fight, you chicken shit! Come on, you fucking whizzies! I'll kick your freaking asses over this goddamn camp!
0: you fuck! But now, now this alpha older boy... He's messed with Angela.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, Mel, who does he get mad at? Ricky. Ricky! Again! <laughs> I mean, like, he does yell at the boys. He's like, you know, yeah. you gotta put her fucking get eye out. Get off that roof! Yeah, yeah get uh-huh. off the roof. But that's all he does. He's more angry about Ricky, but that was, uh, yeah, like you said, now he's messed with Angela. Uh-huh. So he's on the shit list again. Um, so what happens to him? Oh, my God. He tells the his friends... Do guys talk like okay,
0: this? Okay, Kelsey asked me this during the movie. And to a certain extent, yes. You know that, oh, it's locker room talk. Nobody says it unironically. Nobody's like, so what he says is he's he needs to take a wicked dump.
1: <laughs> I gotta take a wicked dump
0: first, so I'll see you guys down there, right? You say that because it's funny? Because you, like, want your friends to laugh at how ridiculous it is that you just said that. You don't say it because that's just the way you talk. Oh, I gotta take a wicked dump. Like, nobody actually talks like that. It's, all right, guys, peace out. I gotta go take a wicked dump. Like, <laughs> that's, you, like that's how you say it. You don't. It's it's not unironic. It is always ironic.
1: Well, okay, so I wanted to just say, girls do sometimes talk about pooping right uh-huh. but i am i have very few friends who do uh-huh. in fact i'd say most of the peak girls i know that do talk like that are not really my friends they're friends of friends uh-huh. and so when it happens i'm always just like Like, they would never say that. Uh They don't say it that way. take a wicked dump. Yeah, that's not ever what I've heard. (laughs) But, like, sometimes a girl will say it, and she'll just be open about it. And I'm like, what is happening right now? And I guess I'm a prude. I don't know. Like, that's just not something I would talk about. It's so So, weird.
0: Everybody leaves the bunk. Alpha goes to take his wicked dump. (laughs) And then a broomstick... Goes through the door handles.
1: How the person knows that this guy is taking a dump, I don't know. Doesn't
0: matter. (sighs) Then the knife appears and is used to cut open the mesh at the top of the wall over the stall that this alpha kid is in. And then stick with a beehive.
1: Which? How did no one see this person grabbing a beehive yeah. with a broomstick? Um, no,
0: that's with the that actual. Tre- it's on the tree branch that it's connected to. Oh, yeah.
1: But how did how did no one see this happen? Right. Wouldn't the bees have attacked the person who who grabbed? Well, they the don't tree? freak
0: out really until they're dropped. They're dropped into the stall and it hits the ground, and that's when all the bees freak out. And this guy is trying to get out. He doesn't have the foresight to climb over the wall. Under the wall where there's a big gap. And he's not strong enough to break the broom handle until it's too late. He is murdered by bees. And if you're not allergic, that would have to be very difficult. But the amount of damage that's done to him in this very short amount of time with this very small beehive is way over the top. (laughs) Just like the kid who drowned. Just like Artie who got burned. Everything is way over the top. And the graphics, the makeup effects are so... Good. They're ridiculous, <laughs> but they're so good.
1: Yeah, it's.
0: He's got open, oozing wounds and stuff like that.
1: I and mean, you've got to give the movie credit for wanting to do unique deaths. Yeah. And the makeup is really interesting, but the problem is that they're just so... not make sense. They don't make sense. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. They're improbable. That's fine. That's not what this movie is here to do. It's not <laughs> here to make sense. It's here to have cool deaths. <laughs> and there's like bees all over the person's face. And again, Mel's like, it was an accident. <laughs> just some kids playing a prank and it went wrong. Yeah. Nobody tell anybody about this, okay?
1: But, but during this that scene, he's like, maybe I'm imagining it. Maybe. Like, it's super <laughs> like a soap opera. Like, it's like talking out loud so the audience knows what they're thinking. Yeah. So then uh, Angela and her now boyfriend, I guess you want to call him, uh, they're making out on the beach, and she, like, trips him, and it's really cute, and they run around on the beach together. It's yeah. really cute, until they're making out, and he tries to feel her up she first says, no, don't. And he says, come on, Angela, I'm not doing anything like a little prick. Yeah. This is when you realize, oh, he's nice guy. He's got nice guy syndrome. Yeah. Which, let's just talk about that real quick. Sure. Guys, just because you are nice to me does not mean I have to give you sex. Right. Right. And there it is. (laughs) That's it. That's as simple as it gets.
0: You being nice does not mean you are owed anything. And
1: that's exactly what's happening here. He's like really confused as to why she won't let him touch her chest. It's just like she says no, that's your cue to stop. And this is a problem. This is a real problem. Like not even sexually. Like my students do not understand boundaries. This
0: is a very, very big thing, especially when I was growing up in high school, the whole like I'm, I'm nice to her, and nice guys finish last. And it's what makes kids bitter. It's what makes them men's rights activists. It would make It's what makes them assholes later in life, because they think they're owed something as a kid because they're nice to a girl. They like a girl, and they're nice to her, so he must deserve kisses and sex and other things like that. But that's absolutely not the case. It's a prerequisite. Absolutely. Be nice to people. But... Also, you both have to be interested in each other. If she's not interested in that, you cannot force her to do that. That's sexual assault. That's rape. That's, like, you can't do that.
1: I mean, like, this is a real problem. Like, even... Not sexually. I see kids do it all the time. I have these two kids in my cl- in one of my classes. One of them, like both of them are like, but I'm just being nice. I'm giving this person a hug. Yeah, and are they saying they don't want you to? Right. Are they saying, get off of me? That's all it takes. And they look at me with this little like half smile like, it's not that big of a deal. No, right. it is a no. big deal. Well, You're they, being an asshole.
0: Likely what was happening is they were intentionally antagonizing them because they knew they didn't want that.
1: Yeah. And I see it all the time, and I'm like, this is a problem. If a person says, don't touch me, don't touch them.
0: 100%. 100%. So eventually she kind of concedes a little bit, which we should also be clear is not consent. You pestering somebody until they go, I guess I'll let you do this to me is, uh, no, it's gross. Um, And they're kind of making out, and he's on top of her. And then she goes to a flashback. Which is out of nowhere and totally unnecessary. And it it makes no sense. It confuses the relationship between all the characters so much. But it's her father and the man they were at the beach that day with who are in bed together. And they're being like affectionate and gentle with each other in bed. Obviously, they have a sexual relationship. Their father was gay. And this is the man who said the doctor's on her way, you know. Um, and then cut to um, the girl and the boy, the kids, when they're really young, that young, sitting in bed and like, you know, well, first they're giggling at the fact that they caught their dad and this guy in bed together. And then they're in bed and they're like, the boy is reaching out to touch the girl. Um, and that's all we see. And then she freaks out. And she goes, no. And she runs away. And Ricky's friend gets upset at this because he's an asshole.
1: So the next day... They are going to play capture the flag.
0: Oh, capture the flag! Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and of course, Angela doesn't want to play, but Ricky convinces her that they'll they'll get it over and done with a lot quicker if they work together and go through the woods.
0: Right, they come around the back side and snag it that way.
1: But while they're running through. The woods, they run into Judy and the boy that Angela snubbed the night before making out.
0: Yeah. And Angela is obviously hurt by this.
1: Yes. I mean, Judy does say, like, Jesus, will you loosen up already? No one will see us out here. Um, and when Angela sees it, she kind of, I think she runs away or whatever, and, uh, Ricky goes, you're a real scumbag, Judy. And she goes, fuck you, Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) You know... And then she starts to cry when everyone leaves her alone because mean girls have feelings too. They just don't show them.
0: Or they don't know how to show them. And when things they do backfire, it makes them sad and they're the real victims. It's like, I'm sure you have problems and that's why you behave the way that you do. (laughs) It doesn't excuse the fact that you behave the way that you
1: do. Exactly.
0: So the next thing that we see is, again... People Meg. are playing, and Angela is just sitting on the benches. This time they're playing by the lake, and Angela's just sitting there, and Meg's had enough of this bullshit. And she gives Angela a really hard time, and her and Judy end up picking up Angela and carrying her to the water, even though she doesn't want to be carried.
1: And Angela is supposed to be making a big deal about it, and she's, like, you know, kicking and punching, but she's barely touching her.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know,
1: because she's, she's supposed she's to. She's a
0: kid, and she doesn't know how to make it look real. And <laughs> This is obviously the director's first movie, so. Uh, and when Ricky tries to come to her aid, Mel stops him mm-hmm. and is like, yeah, yeah, you always come and protect her, huh? Because Mel has decided (laughs) that he thinks it's Ricky that's been killing people. Because Mel put together, and he's the only one that has, it seems that the only people that are dying here are the people that messed with Angela in some way.
1: But it's like, that doesn't mean that you discount the fact that people are messing with a a kid.
0: Right. You should be
1: going after those people. from
0: here on out, he is one-track mind that, fucker Ricky, right? And it gets worse. But right now, he stops him, and he grabs him, and he shakes him, and he's like, ah, da, 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 da. Hey, What are you doing? It's like all those other times. You get to the trouble, you run to a rescue and try to take care of everybody. How are you going to do it this time? Another drowning or something worse? Hey, what are you talking about? I, Let me go! I saw you those times. In a wreck room with the water fight, you hey. killed them. And I think it's, uh, it might be Ronnie or somebody else, like, splits them up, uh, and... Mel does this whole like I'm watching you thing, and the the head of Ricky's bunk ends up getting Judy and Meg away. And somebody doesn't saves stop.
1: somebody saves Angela.
0: She gets dunked in the water. I thought. Yeah, they yeah. drop
1: her in the water, and then somebody d- jumps in to help her out because she yeah. obviously can't swim. And it's like, okay, whether or not Ricky is doing this shit. Mel should understand. He doesn't care. This girl could drown. You could literally be standing there watching as this girl dies. I mean,
0: but from his point of view, Ricky might be a murderer. And he's gonna tell him I can I'm watching you and I'm gonna catch you if you try anything. Oh yeah, you'd like to come and protect her, wouldn't you? So we find out that Mel has his eye on Ricky, but Meg and Judy have messed with Angela now. So. Later this night, there's going to be another social in the rec room, which, again, has the best music in the world. But Meg gets the night off because, you know, they don't work every single day while they're at camp. They, you know, they get they alternate nights off and she gets her night off this night. And so she goes to Mel and says, hey, I got the night off. Did you still want that date or whatever? So we find out that apparently there's a history between the two of them. Why? Why on earth would Meg be into Mel?
1: Exactly. But I, I mean, think Even
0: if it's the whole older man thing, he is a disgusting slob.
1: Yeah, he is not attractive at all.
0: I mean, he's a human being and we should like but it doesn't change the fact that this doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Out of all the boys there, Mel? Even if you're into the adults, what about Ronnie? Right? <laughs> And Meg's not that bad looking. It's not like she's hard up or anything like that. Well, maybe
1: guys her age don't like her because she's a bitch. Yeah,
0: maybe. I don't know. So Mel's totally into her. And we also see that Judy has scarpered off as well. And she's in her her bunk with the lights off because she doesn't want anybody to know that she's skipping out on her duties. So we have Meg. She's going to get ready for her... um, for her date with Mel. Uh and she sees Judy in the bunk and she's like, "Hey, are the other showers open because there's a line for the showers in their bunk and they've closed the bunks off, right? Because they're running out of kids."
1: Well, I love that when she goes into the showers, she's like, "Anybody willing to let me cut?" And they all just look at her like, "Fuck you." Yeah, bitch. totally. <laughs>
0: So she goes into the other bunk, and she has has the water still on, and so she goes to the other bunk and and leaves Judy there. So we see Meg taking a shower, and she just gets a knife in the back.
1: Which is, it's completely
0: impossible. Through the wall, and slides down, cuts down, but she doesn't, like, pull away or anything. So it cleanly slices down her spine. And there's no way it
1: would go through the wall.
0: Yeah. Um, the knife's removed, and the killer runs off. And This, is, the,
1: this is Beethoven's. Beethoven's? This is Mozart's knife. Yeah, that got Mozart's taken away knife. from him earlier. It
0: is. It is. Um, and she stays standing up in the shower. <laughs> With the shower, I think the water t- even turns off. Also, all the girls have apparently showered by this point. And Judy is alone in the dark room trying to read a book. Um, Mel comes by and is like, hey, what's... Uh, Where's Meg? She never showed up. Um, Hey, and you shouldn't be in here with the lights off. You'll ruin your eyes. (laughs) He doesn't say anything about the fact that she should be watching kids in the rec room.
1: No, she's, Judy's not a camp counselor. She's just a camper. She's supposed to be in the rec room. Okay. They're all supposed to be in the rec room being watched.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, But they pair off in a way that makes it seem ambiguous, especially with the ages. You're either really old or really young, so it's sometimes hard to tell them apart. Anyway, yeah, so she's not playing with the other kids. Uh, Mel's looking for Meg. And when he goes looking for Meg, somebody comes to Judy in the dark bunk and fucking hits her.
1: Yeah, and again, when the killer walks in, she goes, oh, it's you. What do you want? So again, we know this is not a person that these kids are intimidated by.
0: Right. Right. And hits her like she's struggling, and then does something graphic with a curling iron.
1: Yeah, and kills her
0: that way. Um, They don't show; it's only implied.
1: It's implied that, but through silhouette. But how how the killer is able to do like the killer puts a pillow over her head, right? So first, you think they're gonna be she's gonna be smothered to death. Yeah. Um, and she's lying on her side. So when the pillow goes over, she's got one arm under her.
0: No, but she's obviously rotates because as well, when it happens, she does one of the hands up in the air things Which, that we see if throughout you can this get, movie. If you
1: can get both your hands free, why aren't you yeah. getting the killer off of you? I'm so confused. Um, and we didn't mention what else is going on during this time.
0: Aside from Mel finding Meg?
1: No, the kids camping.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: This whole scene just has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. So, we
0: will I mean, we'll get to that in just a second. But um, Mel finds Meg because Judy told him she was taking the shower. He opens up the curtain and her body just... No, he doesn't even. He gets up to it and her body just happens to fall out at that exact moment. Tearing the shower curtain off and you see the, the cut all up her back. And he says something to the effect of... I had him in my hands and I let him go. He is convinced that this is Ricky getting back at her for throwing Angela in the lake. And now he's upset that he had him and he let him go. And he's not going to let him go this time.
1: Oh, Meg, please forgive me. I'll never let him get away from me again. Very much like a soap opera.
0: Yeah. So there's this other plot. (laughs) Which this makes
1: is, no sense.
0: I was going to put this in the lightning round, but it makes sense to tie it into this little subplot here. Um, if you've seen Wet Hot American Summer, <laughs> a lot of Wet Hot American Summer <laughs> comes from this. And
1: really? Yeah,
0: and meatballs. Um,
1: I didn't know that.
0: Yes. So a lot of the visuals and stuff like that. So this guy, this counselor that's forced to take the really young kids out camping on the <laughs> island or whatever, or wherever it is that they go.
1: Right. Um, that's
0: that's Ken Marino's character. I know.
1: I, I thought they were similar. I had no idea they would have taken it from yeah, this Ken movie. Marino has
0: said that, yes, he partially based the character on this person.
1: That's there. awesome. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> if you've ever seen Wet on American Summer and you haven't seen this yet... You got a feeling for the kind of fashion that we're talking about that's in this movie. Um, so this guy takes these kids camping. Two kids complain. They're, they're scared. They don't want to do it. They want to go back. So he's like, fine. And all the rest of the kids are asleep. He takes them back. And when he comes back, their um, sleeping bags are all torn to shreds and bloodied with them in it. Now, we never find out what happened to these kids. We never find, find out if it's the same killer or they just attacked by a bear. Like no, we nothing. know it's
1: a little hatchet. They showed us the oh, hatchet, we see it, like
0: in yeah, one of the and they showed us right. the
1: hatchet before they got to sleep because one of the kids takes it and he's like, "This is not a toy."
0: Right, but this guy never did anything. The kids never did anything. Exactly, it has nothing to do with anything. They've made several sequels, and I haven't seen any of them. I hope one of them. Addresses no, we've seen this the
1: second one, babe. We did. Yeah. Oh, it oh, was, you're right. It's terrible. Oh my
0: god, you're right. We did see the sequel. It's
1: really, really bad.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, while these kids are dying for. No No good reason, and we get no answers on it, and it's totally a hanging thread. Mel finds Ricky and proceeds to beat the ever-loving shit out of him.
1: You're fucking going to jail. Right. Like, he
0: beats this boy within an inch of his life because Mel has lost his mind at this point. Apparently, he was in love with
1: Meg. Apparently. Because
0: it's this that really sets him off. At first, it's almost like it's a personal thing for him where he's like, ah, you're killing people in my camp and I'm going to get you. Now it's like, you killed Meg. <laughs> ah, the love of my life. <laughs> so i and That's really not explained, but he kind of like, after he beats this kid bloody, he kind of saunters off in a daze. I got... I gotta get out of here. And yeah, it's like he suddenly
1: realizes, oh shit, I just completely almost killed a child. Like, either kills a child or. That I have zero proof that he did any of this.
0: (laughs) And we also find out that it isn't Ricky because at this moment, he stumbles onto the archery range.
1: Right, that's right.
0: And we get this total ripoff from Friday the 13th. It's the archery range kill. Where he sees somebody and he's like, what are you doing here? You should be at the rec call or whatever. And then arrow through the neck. Mm-hmm. It looked pretty good, I gotta say, for what they were working with. I mean, I know we say that a lot. All the murders are ridiculous, but they look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, But total ripoff from Friday the 13th. Absolute ripoff. And now Mel is dead too.
1: We forgot to mention that Angela ran into the other kid again and... And he's like, please forgive me, please forgive me. And she's like, meet me at the lake after the the social. Right. So.
0: So police end up showing up because of the kids in the sleeping bags. Like all these other murders, the police are just like coming by and going, well, that's a dead body. See ya. (laughs) Now they're like, oh my God, they're all these kids. So I guess that's the only. And they don't do anything with the cops. So it's not like. It's not like. Like, oh, that that explains why the cops are there, and then the cops are responsible for whatever. But now everyone's on the lookout for this killer.
1: And so they do, like, a head count, and they realize that Angela and the kid are not there.
0: Yes, they've gone off to make out.
1: Right. So they go looking for her, and they find Angela.
0: And she's, like... Humming. She's humming, and she has this kid's head in her lap, and it's, like, a very sweet moment until... And she has her like clothes off,
1: and they're shouting at her, Angela. Are you all right? Are you okay? Can you hear me? Like, why yeah. aren't you talking? Uh-huh. <laughs> this
0: is uh, this is the complaint department, and Ronnie find her, not the cops. <laughs> and she's humming to herself, and then she just sort of stands up, and we can see that she's naked. And she turns around, and there's this music sting, and her her. This is the iconic shot. Of Angela's face.
1: Because it's not really her face. It's a. It's
0: no, it is her face, but she stands up and turns around and we realize that she has the kid's head and it's been removed. <laughs> so there's that. She's killed this kid too.
1: And this uh, is when we get a flashback.
0: Yes. We get a flashback as she's standing up and she's got this look on her face. We get a flashback to Angela has a wrap around her head and we see it's this young boy it's the son of the guy who was killed in the very beginning turns out that the son that the son survived and that the daughter and the father are the ones who died but this crazy aunt ricky's mom was like oh we don't need another son no that won't do no not at all anyway she's gone off the deep end and decides that she is going to raise this traumatized and potentially brain-damaged child as a girl.
1: Angela, you'd like that, wouldn't you, Peter?
0: Yes. So that's where we find out that the boy's name was Peter, and that he is instead raised as Angela. And because he's so traumatized and shut in, we'll never know what Peter slash Angela actually wanted with their life. But this was obviously thrust upon them without their say. So we Cut back to the shot as Angela's turned around and she's got this look on her face. And you see Ronnie says something like, oh, my God, she's a boy. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where we get the, the also famous shot of it pans out. And this is where it's not really Angela. When it's the close up, it's really Angela. But when it's the faraway shot, it's a smaller like man. Who is completely nude mm-hmm. and wearing an Angela mask with the hair all the way down so you can't see where it cuts off. But it looks surprisingly good, kind of like Straight Jacket, where the mask, now that was part of the story. This is part of the the props, but it looks really good as a static image. But she doesn't move her face at all. And we see a completely full frontal nude character. And we see that, yes, Angela is physically male. And.
1: And, like, she's, like, hissing and growling. Uh,
0: or whatever. Yeah, she's making these weird noises. And the the, the shot kind of zooms in on her again. And it freezes. And
1: it turns green.
0: Yeah. And then credits. <laughs> And we get this ending song, Angie, You're the Love of My Life, which is custom made for this movie, apparently.
1: awesome. And the whole credit sequence is all over her face. Yeah. After the credits are over, it stays on her face with the song. And when the song is over, it still just sits there with her face. For another
0: 10 seconds, at least, probably. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, they really want you to get this face etched in your head. And it totally works.
1: People have gotten this face tattooed on them.
0: It's iconic. Also, she just kind of gives herself up. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, she's she killed the person that she actually liked. Um, and I guess she's like done. And she gives herself up. So now that we've revealed the twist we'll talk briefly about the fact that we've decided throughout this whole thing to talk about Angela as a girl, because that's the way that she's presented. Like I said earlier, we don't know what Angela would have wanted um, and we'll never know. But just so you know, it's not us doing anything with, Oh, was she forced to do this? Is this something that she would have wanted? It's the way she's presented throughout the movie. So, Kelsey, mm-hmm. lightning round.
1: So we didn't talk about the beginning credits. It starts with a quote that says, in fond memory of mom, a doer. Yeah. <laughs> what that means, like, to the story, like, I guess he probably was like, you know what? I want to make this movie and I'm going to do it. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, he did, he did it for his mom, <laughs> who he considers a doer. She was his inspiration.
1: And when the title card comes on, it's like don <laughs> and this music does not let up. And it's like the all it's panning across like this. It's this summer camp, and the music is just like don over this peaceful summer camp. It's so strange, yeah. Strange yep. choice.
0: Um, you can apparently you can see the video case for this movie, the VHS of this movie in. The Crying Game and (laughs) Serial Mom.
1: And a couple of others, but, I mean, the big one was The Crying Game.
0: Yeah, which, a little on the nose there. (laughs) In the credits, there's a special thanks to Lucy and Coke Tatosian for having so many wonderful children. (laughs) And we don't know what that means. (laughs) I'm thinking maybe they were extras or something. I don't know. In the beginning, when the kids are coming out of the bus... It's almost like that scene from Cannibal the Musical where it's obvious that they're running out of the saloon and then going off camera and then back in through the back entrance and circling again like you see the same characters over and over again. It's almost like that. There are so many kids and they never stop running towards the camp. So in addition to this actor who stood in for Angela for that last shot, Jonathan Tierston, who is Ricky, did all the point-of-view shots. So every time you see the killer's hands, it's actually Ricky's hands. So they look a little bit more like a boy's hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, when you see Angela, in quotes, during murders, like when her head pops up under the overturned canoe, or when her silhouette is present in Judy's cabin in the dark... That's also just Ricky wearing a wig.
1: Really? Yeah. uh Uh-huh. How funny.
0: There's also apparently, I don't know if this is true, but apparently one of the other reasons why Ricky did it is because Felisa Rose's mom didn't want her doing anything killer-ish. Because she was too young. I guess was like, she didn't want her doing the killer motions, any of the killer stalking or any of that stuff. And she didn't have to.
1: Well, what's hilarious about that is apparently she didn't know the twist. She didn't know she was going to end up being a boy until she saw the movie and she was like, I'm a chick with a dick.
0: (laughs) She says that in this documentary on the rise and fall of the slasher film called Going to Pieces. But yeah, she's not in herself. She's not in any scenes that would implicate her as a killer or as a boy. Cause when she's Peter, she's a different person, a different actor playing that role. Um, and when she's the killer, that's Ricky. So, I mean, she might even get all the way through the movie, except for at the very end when she has this head without ever even knowing that she's a killer, let alone, uh, physically a boy. I'd also like to go back to this. We pointed this out while we were watching it, but in that first scene, where the speedboat goes off, runs them over. You see the woman who is skiing and she's freaking out somebody help them cut to the wreckage. Somebody please help them yeah, cut to a person out. floating. Somebody please the dad floating up. Somebody the empty light. Like she just does not stop screaming. But I also have to
1: stop her screaming. screaming.
0: <laughs> but also you see that one of the children survives, and it is very obviously the boy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's the life preserver, the empty one, that comes up. Like, it's obvious that the boy is the one that survived. And unless you're thinking about that, I can see how that would just drop your like, you know, because you don't connect everything to that first scene right away. You know, you don't know who Ricky is. You don't know who Angela is. You don't know what their relation to that accident is right away. So by the time you learn all that stuff, you might have forgotten the fact that you saw the little boy survive.
1: So the scene where Judy is uh, making out with the boy in her bunk after hours, like during the social or whatever, uh, as they're kissing, she like pushes him off and she goes like, do you have to kiss so wet? he's like, sorry. Um, and then she just, like, starts making out with him again. Like, it's nothing. And then when, uh, when Mel comes in, she has him hide under the bed. So, first of all, he just walked into a girl's bunk without fucking knocking. Yeah. Gross and wrong. And then when he leaves, the boy jumps out from under the bed. And she's like, where are you going? And he's just like... Uh, He might come back. She's like, no, he won't, you chicken shit. And she's so offended that, like, this boy, from her perspective, is, like, rejecting her. I don't know. It was a funny scene.
0: There is a remake in development right now. Maybe this year or next year we might get to see a remake of this one. Maybe we do that next summer. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Hmm. Also, I loved that when the killer, when uh, Angela, whatever you want to call her, when she came in to kill Judy and Judy goes, oh, it's you. What do you want? Well, (laughs) Angela just punches her across the face. It's so great. You cheer because you're like, you hate Judy so much. Yeah. (sighs) Fucking
0: Judy. All right, Kelsey. What do you think this movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? 80. Did you cheat again? (laughs) No. That's exactly right. Overrated or underrated?
1: I'd say it's right on target. That's probably what I would give it. You think? An 80? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I'd probably give it a 76. Because there's so much wrong with it, but it is also fun. It is
1: so much fun to watch.
0: Like, it swings back on the other side in that inverted parabola of enjoyment versus quality, <laughs> on the left-hand side, the worse it gets, the more enjoyable it gets. <laughs> it's on that side. So i'd I'd say I'd say what did I say? Seventy six, I think seventy six.
1: I love this movie. I think it's so much it's really fun. Good. I think the the deaths, while improbable, are super um, unique.
0: Right. And crazy, like well done as far as the makeup and stuff goes.
1: hmm Um, I know that this is gonna sound terrible. I think the twist is great. Yeah. I don't look at it through the lens of like this is saying anything bad about trans people.
0: In the same way that Silence of the Lambs does it, you know, it I can see totally how this contributes to negative stereotypes.
1: But that's but, because the audience members right, are different. Exactly,
0: exactly. With a closer reading, you can see that this isn't about being trans. It
1: has nothing to do with that.
0: Right. Um, but it then you wonder, okay, then why was it even necessary, maybe? It was it was definitely used for shock value back it's used then. The as idea a twist. of somebody being trans is kind of used for shock value, and that maybe sucks. But but yeah, I, I don't think this movie is trying to say Oh, if you're trans, then you're crazy and you can become a murderer. Just the same way that Signs of the Lambs wasn't saying that. Mm -hmm. But I can see why people would be bothered by it.
1: I can too. And I do respect those people. I don't mean to offend you when I say that I like the twist. It's just that I'm able to disassociate the two subjects.
0: Right. And some people, I mean, it's their life, so they can't do that. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, Okay. Rotten Tomatoes at 80% said Sleepaway Camp is a standard teen slasher elevated by occasional moments of John Waters-esque weirdness (laughs) and a twisted ending.
1: I really, I really like it.
0: Metacritic gave it a 58, which is definitely underrated.
1: Way underrated. Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely, definitely.
1: I don't know how you could watch this and not, I mean, unless you're looking at it from that perspective, I don't know how you could not enjoy yourself. Right, yeah. Yeah. Unless you don't like 80s slashers. In which case, I'm really sorry, guys. You probably shouldn't be listening to us.
0: No, 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 no. I'm not saying if you don't like the movie, don't listen to us. No,
1: no, no. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, if it's going to, like, annoy you that we always think 80s slashers are good.
0: Yeah, we're probably going to think really highly of 80s (laughs) slashers. We just do. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's kind of our niche when it comes to... So, like, modern cool horror movies Mm -hmm. of the past 10 years, 10, 15 years or so and 80s slasher, and the classic artsy ones. Like, those are our personal three niches, I feel.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All right, Kelsey, that was 1983's Sleepaway Camp. Before we get to our next movie, Slash Cards.
1: This is a really easy one.
0: I went the opposite
1: direction. But it has to do with a movie that we've already watched, so I went with that. I don't like picking ones that have nothing to do with movies we haven't talked about. True or false, George A. Romero had to suspend filming on Dawn of the Dead from 1979 for three weeks so the Monroeville Mall could stay open during the Christmas shopping season.
0: That's true. We talked about it in the episode. That is true. I went the opposite direction and I made it a little bit harder. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm still confident you're going to get this, though. Kelsey. What 2000 film about a group of teens forced to hunt each other was adapted from a manga series by Kushun Takami? Battle Royale. That is correct.
1: Such a good movie. It is.
0: It's very Japanese and very good. It's, for those of you that don't know anything about Battle Royale, I mean, see it. but We
1: can't do it on here because it's not a horror movie.
0: It's really not. At all. It's a... It's like an action, like it's a thriller, maybe. A, I mean, you could thriller. probably you could it's probably make an argument for it. But
1: none of it's scary. I mean,
0: really what it is is just imagine imagine the Hunger, Hunger games, games, but it's instead of being about will Katniss survive, it's about all the kids murdering each other in violent ways and how they cope with that experience. Right, and
1: if you were Japanese, you'd get a lot more out of it because it has a lot to do with society of Japan. Right. you know... The way their age
0: hierarchies go, the way their authority hierarchies go, their relationship with uh, media. So it does have a lot to do with Japanese culture, but it's still very good. Very good. I highly recommend you watch that one. Mm -hmm. All right, Kelsey, we stopped recording at one point Because we ran out of time, we had to go somewhere, uh, and we came back. And in the meantime, I completely forgot what other movie we watched for this episode. That gives you a little hint of what's to come.
1: I didn't think it was that bad.
0: 2015's Summer Camp, directed by Alberto Marini, written by Alberto Marini and Danielle Schlieff, starring Diego Bonetta, Jocelyn Donahue, and Myra Walsh.
1: Yeah, it's a Spanish movie, but it's not in Spanish. Isn't that right. weird? And. It's in, it's in there's, English.
0: There's almost nothing about it that requires it to take place
1: in Spain. Uh, well, except that they're there to, to teach English. But. Right. The, you could take that out and that wouldn't mean anything. <laughs> exactly. there's, <no> <laughs> there's hardly even a
0: camp that even enters into it. <laughs> all right. Kelsey, what is summer camp about?
1: Camp counselors are there before the kids show up and they're getting ready for the kids. And without giving anything away, I guess all hell breaks loose. I. Yeah, there's there, like a there rage an, infection, yes. kind of like twenty eight days there's later, 28 but very different from twenty eight days virus. later. Yes,
0: um, and they have to deal with that. Yeah. Now you can rent this movie on various streaming services for three or four dollars. You can buy it for as little as eight. Should people watch it before listening to the rest of this episode?
1: If you want to, like, it,
0: oh, I mean, okay, we always, if you want to. But
1: what I mean is, it's not, it's not terrible, but it's not great either. I mean, it's I just found kind of myself.
0: Im- I found myself, while watching this movie, really not liking it, but writing down all the reasons that I thought it did something really cool.
1: Which is the opposite of me.
0: Right. After the movie, remarkable. I was like,
1: I kind of liked it. Everything I wrote was terrible, but I kind of liked it. Right.
0: Yeah, it's it's really weird that way. It does some neat stuff.
1: It does some very innovative it's, things. It's like an
0: hour and 20 minutes long, so it's not that long.
1: But I it mean, does a lot of things wrong.
0: You don't need to watch it.
1: You, yeah, you don't need to, but if you're into what even genre, what subgenre would you I would put call it this under? a zombie movie? But they don't turn into zombies. No, it's
0: a, it's a rage. I would call Twenty Eight Days Later a zombie movie and because they, don't turn they into are zo- zombies. No, they're rage infected. They're it it's it's different. It's not a zombie, but it's it falls under that subgenre yeah. of zombies. It does something neat with it. There's a twist to it. Um, And if you want to find out what that twist is You can watch the movie or listen to us talk about it (laughs) And when we come back We will talk about 2015's Summer camp
1: There's usually some hiccup or two when we first open the camp for the season In America There's no
0: way we'd call this place a camp How about the new girls, huh? They're nice
1: But honestly, Christy seems out of place She's a little rich girl This place is gross, right? We've only been here two days. Don't be such a pessimist. It's just not what I was
0: expecting. Ah!
1: Oh, my God, she destroyed the car! Not understanding
0: what you're saying.
1: I didn't what happened to ah! I told you he was dead. Ah! Ah!
0: Ah! She tried to attack you, right? With the uh, eyes dividing the blast off.
1: I think she's okay now. Ah! I don't remember anything. I was like that. And then and then I came back. Well, we need to know what's causing it so we can avoid it. Kelsey. Yes.
0: Now, we spent a lot of time on Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> quite a lot. We recorded in two sessions. I'm gonna have to cut that down quite a bit. But I think it's gonna end up being like an hour and 15 minutes at least hmm. on Sleepaway Camp. So we're going to have to keep this one really succinct. I think this movie deserves it. It's also a little bit hard to uh, to track the individual plot elements of this movie because it bounces around a lot. So let's start with the setup. What happens at the beginning of this movie?
1: Well, the very first thing is a news clip telling us that these American summer camp counselors who were there to teach English to Spanish kids have disappeared.
0: Right. It is an English immersion camp. Mm-hmm. So they just happen to be uh, American nationals who are in Spain for one reason or another. They're all there for different reasons. And they get to work there because they speak English, um, because they, these parents send their kids to this camp To be forced to speak nothing but English. So they learn it better. It's an English immersion camp.
1: But the problem with that is, okay, so we know they all die. Right from the get-go. Or
0: they go missing.
1: We open on these four people. It's two guys and two girls. And they are playing the same game that they played in Flu Birds. (laughs)
0: Yes, the one where somebody has a blindfold on and they're running through the forest and another person, as a team building exercise, has to guide them through. Just like the one we got in Floopers.
1: <laughs> but this chick is actually running.
0: Yes, because and they're like gung-ho about it.
1: And the other chick is like, Jesus Christ. Like, she
0: refuses to do it. Yeah. She's all prissy. and
1: mm-hmm. We find out that the one Spanish guy is Antonio. the one who chooses the The counselors
0: and he chose the pretty girls based on their pictures.
1: Yeah, um, and because the one who who was supposed to be the guide who almost got a girl hurt because she wasn't keeping up with her is not a counselor. She is not the type. She's not outdoorsy. She's a little rich girl who is completely out of her element. So we
0: have Antonio, the actual Spanish guy who runs the place. Uh, We have Will. The American man. We have Christy, the prim, proper, not proper, but the prim, wilting flower type American girl. And we have Michelle, the more outdoorsy type. Also very attractive girl.
1: Yes. Uh, So then it becomes the prissy girl's turn, and the other girl is trying to get her through it. But the prissy girl does not like the way she's being spoken to, and eventually just kind of stands there. And refuses to walk, refuses to talk. And the other girl's like, fine, fuck you, and leaves her. But you have to understand their arms are tied behind their backs.
0: Yeah. And so that is
1: really dangerous. Yeah.
0: No, she shouldn't have left her there. Yeah. She should have taken the blindfold off. She should have undone her hands and then walked away.
1: Exactly. Um. And then some random person comes up behind her with a knife. And you think she's going to die. And then he just undoes her... her- Hands and is gone.
0: Yeah, he's wearing a uh, flannel, sleeveless, and he has a Z on his arm, and that's the last time we see him for a while. Mm-hmm. But the two boys come up and they're like, "What's going on, Christine?" And she's, and she's like, like, like
1: "Really funny out. guys," because yeah, uh, she thinks it was them
0: that that let her go and then disappeared. Right. So, few things about this camp. It's basically an old villa again that nobody's doing anything with so they use it as a summer camp they don't have cabins like like we do in America they have like abandoned villas that they use for this sort of thing instead uh, the plumbing is all messed up so the ritual fountain isn't running but the idea is they'll get it the plumber dude the handyman who works there um he'll get it up and running within the day because when the kids do show up the first thing they do is they drink out of that that elephant fountain or an owl, owl. Fountain. an owl fountain you're right um, and it's like a whole ritual thing whenever they go to camp there. Uh, but this handyman type person who's like the groundskeeper, I guess, says, oh, you know what? One of the dogs, which they have these dogs on the property, has rabies and we're going to put it down. Now, Will, he went to school to be a vet. He's not a vet. But he went to school for it. But he's
1: practically a vet.
0: vet. Why not just make him a vet? I guess they needed an excuse for him to be in Spain and not be working a job.
1: Right. Why? He needs to not be an adult.
0: Exactly. So he's like, no, we can't just kill it sight unseen. Let me check it out. And he goes and he's like, this dog doesn't have rabies. And it's sure enough it doesn't, but it attacked another dog, you know, or something. Like that. But he seems fine. Will goes in the cage with him and it's like, look, like, you know, lifts up the lip, checks the ears. There's no mange. There's no foam. It's not growling. And it's not afraid of water, which is a symptom of having rabies. And so he gives it some water and sure enough, it drinks the water and it seems like it's just fine. And then it snaps. And it attacks Will, and it grabs him by the arm, and the groundskeeper needs to kill the dog. Basically snap its neck mm-hmm. to get it off of him. And Will's like, oh, what the fuck? And so they decide they need to to take him to the hospital or whatever, and then nothing really happens. He that
1: doesn't go. He just gives yeah. himself a tetanus shot, because he's like, I'm fine.
0: Right. I'm practically a doctor now.
1: <laughs> There's also pollen all over the place.
0: Right, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the Will and Antonio are down in like a basement type area. It's really dingy. They're moving stuff around. And all of a sudden, Antonio attacks Will. He gets that same black eyed look like the dog had. Mm-hmm. And he attacks Will. Will kills Antonio as Christy comes in and is like,
1: oh my God, you killed Antonio. You're and a murderer. This happens <laughs> so many times in this movie with that character. His name's Will, I guess. Yeah constantly they use him as, like, a jump scare, but in reality he's never there to hurt anybody. Like, he's constantly falling on a window and scaring the crap out of you. Or he runs up to you and and grabs your arm for no good reason. This movie is fraught with this shit. Yeah,
0: So... Christy runs out, and she gets Michelle and throws her into the Jeep, and is like, we gotta go! We gotta go! We gotta go! And Michelle's like, what are you talking about? What's going on? We gotta go! Just go, 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 drive! And so, Michelle is driving Christy, and she doesn't know what's going on, and all of a sudden, she turns the air conditioning on, and all this pollen just, like, hits her in the face. And we're like, oh, that's really fucking weird. But then, Michelle turns on Christy, Mm -hmm. and attacks Christy, and so... Christy and Michelle are fighting. Will shows up, and Michelle's down on the ground, seemingly dead. He checks her pulse um, at her neck, which, dude, she has one in her hand, too. So check it there. No pulse. But she does pop back up again. So, like, I was wondering, is Antonio still alive? They never come back to Antonio. Antonio's dead. (laughs) And so, basically, it's a lot of these misunderstandings, because what we come to find out Is that Michelle comes back to normal at some point. Some 20 minutes in after she's chasing
1: them. The only reason they didn't kill her, because Christy certainly wanted to kill her, is, again, Will has this thing where he really doesn't like to kill things. and he
0: doesn't have to. He doesn't want to kill anything. So now the premise is, like, in full force at this point. And we're we're only, like, 25 minutes into this movie. And the premise is, like, full-blown gone. So they're... And I write down here, I don't care about any of these people at this point. Like, it's just these four people who are all assholes at some point. And then there's druggies that well, are Will's mean to them on the side asshole. of the room. I guess not.
1: I guess Will's okay. Antonio tells a story about Will um, sleeping with both the girl can- counselors the year before, but I think that was just so that he could sleep with both of them. Right. Like, yeah. don't sleep with Will. He's an asshole. Sleep yeah, with me. Uh-huh.
0: So, but we do meet these druggies that have camped out just outside the property and that refuse to leave, so says Antonio. So we're thinking, hmm, maybe they have something to do with this. But it's a lot of trade-off between, you know, people turning and then people coming back and turning again. And it's like back and forth, you're turned for about 20 minutes at a time.
1: And throughout the film, Christy constantly wants to leave people behind wants to kill people want she's extremely selfish like to the point of just like are you kidding me like even me because i fully understand like if i'm in a zombie apocalypse i'm gonna do my best to keep the people i love around me but i'm also the type that's like no fuck this shit i'm out but she's like to the point where i mean they know that they'll come back They know they'll be normal again, and she's just like, no, fuck this, I'm gone. But
0: what I thought was really cool is the first time that Michelle turns uh, back again, uh, she's been chasing them around this villa, and they got separated, Christy and Will got separated, and Will's, like, banging on a door trying to get to Christy when Michelle turns back again, and the last thing she remembers is Christy was running from her life from Will, who Christy said murdered Antonio. (laughs) And so now, now... Sane again, Michelle starts going after Will because she thinks that he's a murderer and Will thinks that she's this zombie thing still. So there's a bunch of these misunderstandings that keep going back and forth and all the way around in circles.
1: And you might be thinking to yourself, well, all they have to do is talk to them, but that's not true because even when you're, this is why I refuse to call them zombies. They can communicate. They can talk.
0: Yeah, but they're rage-filled. Yes, they everything they talk say is killing people, angry,
1: and, yeah. but they can still talk, which is a really odd choice, I feel. I, I don't get why they did that.
0: Yeah. Will is on the other side of a door from Michelle, but Christy's turned this time, and we don't know how. And so now Will's trying to save Michelle from Christy, but Michelle doesn't know that Will isn't a murderer and is coming after her. So he ends up breaking a hole in the door, and she takes a drill right to the bottom of his foot. Ah. And it is so fucking graphic. Mm -hmm. Like, she's digging it all around in there. She lets go of it, and the drill starts spinning on its own.
1: Meanwhile, he's not acting like he's in an exorbitant amount of pain. I don't get what was going on there. Like, dude, you got a drill going through your foot. You'd be screaming your head off. I don't get why you're not.
0: (laughs) Right. So Michelle... Ends up figuring out that he's fine. Because then
1: Christy comes in and she's like, hmm, Christy's acting crazy. Meanwhile, the guy I just put a drill through his foot is trying to help me. Hmm, maybe I made a mistake. Right, yeah. (laughs) So
0: she takes Will downstairs and they clean up after they deal with Christy. She washes off his foot and and wraps up his wound. And uh, he drinks some of it and i write down here maybe it's the water but now we have two culprits there's the pollen and there's the water mm-hmm. which is it uh, there's a lot of shaky cam during these scenes which is all over the place and it's aggressive shaky like it's, it's really aggressive it's
1: to get it's to make editing easier
0: i could see why that would be the case but it's mm-hmm. it's not like somebody's tapping the camera to get that shaky cam effect like there is somebody it's that's hand-held. just held Right, but that's how they normally do that effect a lot of the time, is there's there's actually somebody, in many cases the director, sitting behind the camera operator and, like, tapping, like, physically bumping the camera. I thought it camera. was
1: always just handheld, and that's why it looked like that. No,
0: th- there's a difference between a handheld camera and a shaky cam. Hm. Shaky cam is, is being shaken like this, not necessarily wobbling around, moving. It's it's actually shaking on an axis that is the camera and but this is like somebody instead is just having a seizure while they're holding on to the camera. <laughs> no offense to people with seizures. If you have seizures, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's what it seems like. It's absolutely ridiculous. So they get at this point
1: like you really hate Christy.
0: Right. You, you hate really, her really do. so much. So now we're in with the chickens. And <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell exactly what to remember exactly what's going on. I wrote, why sick Christy on Will? Oh, that's it. So at one point, Michelle is locked. She's running from Will, who's now changed. And Christy's still a zombie type person. And she's she's in a cage protected from Will. Mm-hmm. Will is inside, inside the, the room with her, but outside the cage. And Christy is outside the room. And so... Michelle has this great idea, even though she's safe from both of them right now, but I think I might have just figured it out, to use, like, a broomstick or something and, like, knock off the board that was blocking the door so Christy can get inside.
1: Because she wants them to eat each other. Right.
0: This is where we find out they don't care about each other. It's like zombies. Exactly. And so now they're both going after her. But now they're both inside. And she uses the chicken crawl space to get outside and away from them. So we know a few things. Pollen or water turns you. You turn back after 20 minutes or so. If somebody else is turned, you don't attack them. I don't remember what happens to Christy, but um, she gets knocked out or a hit or something like that. Most likely by Michelle. And she's running from Will. And she's in the forest and she's hiding, but her phone goes off. And it's been a while now. But her phone goes off and Will's like, huh, huh and she shuts it off. And then it goes off again. So instead of shutting it off again, she throws it to maybe make Will go somewhere else. This is another really cool moment. We see it land, and then the camera pans up, and we can see it landed right next to Christy, who's back to normal and now also trying to hide from Will in a completely different location where where Michelle threw the phone. It was kind of a cool moment.
1: Yeah. This movie, it's hard to watch simply because it feels like it goes on and on because it goes back and forth. They're not, it's not just a one, just a one-way storyline because they've got this back and forth, which is cool. It's an interesting idea. It just ends up making it feel like a big mess at the end. Right. And we would, that's why it's so difficult for us to, to remember, oh, this person got sick, then this person got sick, then this person got sick, because it, they all do at some point.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not like you have one protagonist that's running. It's, yeah, you're right. So I thought at this point, oh, man, we're going to get a payoff from that obstacle course in the woods thing where there was just this pole that was sticking straight up. It's a stick. Yeah. Like, it's
1: like a branch. It's a,
0: it's a branch that's been broken off and it's sticking straight up like it has a sign on it or something like that. But it looks menacing. I remember that when they were doing the obstacle course. And now Christie's running from Will will's gonna get it, but he stops in front of it and he just like stares at it and tries to find Christy because he and doesn't he does have his it. glasses
1: on so he can't really see very right. well yeah and all he knows is that he's going after Christy and when he stops and looks at the branch it's because he thinks it might be Christy because he's he's re- he's um messed up because he he's all enraged right and he can't see straight because he doesn't have his glasses
0: right. So no, nobody gets their gets themselves impaled at this point. There's also this cute, I mean, I guess cute little exchange. I guess you can call it that. There's the there's the caretaker, and then there's Z, the guy with the tattoo who turns out to be a squatter. Um, and they both get killed at one point. And Michelle's sane again, and Christy's turned. And she's like, oh, my God, what happened to that that guy, the squatter dude? He's dead. What happened to him? And Will's like, uh, Christy killed him when really it was Michelle. Mm-hmm. He's like, you don't need to know that. Christy's insane. We're running from her. Christy did it. When Will's changed and Christy's normal again, Michelle finds out from Christy that no, Michelle actually killed Z.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when Will com- becomes sane again after having killed Javier, Michelle tells Will that she killed Javier, not Will. It's like this nice little exchange where it's like, I mean, I know that I killed the Z guy, Mm -hmm. but you were trying to protect me mentally, emotionally from that, so I'm going to do the same for you. didn't work out for me because Christy spilled the beans, but, you know, I'm going to extend you that same effort. That was kind of a cute little moment Mm -hmm. along the way. But now we have the squatter dead. We have the groundskeeper dead. We have Antonio dead. And they come across the druggies that are camped out and it's just this one young guy the kid and he reveals after much to do that it's the water they're trying to grow these hallucinogenic mushrooms or whatever
1: with added chemicals with added
0: chemicals and that combination is seeping into the groundwater which is well the what which is where the well water comes from
1: yeah they did it right around the well so that they would grow well Exactly, yeah. It's an, an experiment. C- combine uh, chemicals and, and mushrooms. <sighs> when well, they took them, they, they, they went crazy. Why did you do that by the well? well because cause we, we need water for for
0: grow the mushrooms. My father put the mushroom spores in the pipe. And when they grew, he brought some here to test them. We, we thought that the camp was closed to the verdad. Great. <laughs> we
1: were drugged by God knows what.
0: I mean, we know the well works now, and, and the and the water's running because we saw it in the hose. We saw the well started. We saw sprinklers go off, and there is this joke about how he's like, "Guys, you gotta run, you gotta run," and they're like, "Oh God!" and they start to run, and then the sprinklers go off, and they all laugh, and it's ah, such a good time. Um, but now they find out exactly what went wrong, and now this this kid's parents are after him and trying to kill him. And so they have to deal with this. So he gets slammed into a into a cabinet or whatever. And they're all trying to prevent these now crazy turned people from attacking them. And they decide, this is what we got to do. They're going to get in here. We cannot hold them off long enough for them to turn back sane again. So we're all going to take some of these mushrooms. And we're all going to turn. So Michelle and Will are holding doors closed. They can't do it, so Christy has to take care of it. Fucking Christy. She takes this pan of mushrooms and gives one to Will. When she turns around, she spills it all and is only able to retrieve one. And she looks at Michelle. Michelle finds out what's going on, and she's like, you got to split it then. You know, maybe that'll work. And Christy's like, there's no guarantee that that will work. So Christy just fucking takes it for herself. And leaves Michelle to be ripped apart by all of them. Mm-hmm. Will and Christy wake up and fucking everyone is dead. No sober people were left. Um, I wrote down sober in my notes. That was a term I was going to use. I didn't use it after all. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's like a flash forward in time and we have to figure out, okay, what exactly happened here? Because they attack Michelle and then blackout. And then it comes back up, and they're waking up, right? So they try to, like, it's destroyed all around them. They don't know what they did, who did what, what's going on. It's been 20 minutes. They've been in a rage this entire time. Uh, So I thought that that was pretty cool. But they end up making it back to the, the villa. To the summer camp. Finally. And it's just Christy and Will. And they make it back. And they think they hear like honking in a car pulling up, and they're like, Oh, it's the cops. Great, the cops are here. We'll have to figure out how to explain this to them. No, we gotta hide or whatever. And then they realize it's not the cops, it's the kids. And remember, the first thing the kids do when they show up is drink from the owl well. It's tradition. Mm -hmm. So the kids all come running, and then they jump out of hiding. They're like, no, we got to stop them. And so it's this rush to stop all these running kids from from drinking from the well. And they manage to do it just as this one kid's about to drink, and they they pull him off. Like, oh, oh, God. Okay, good. Now we're going to have to explain all this, and the sprinklers go off. (laughs) All these kids get coated. And Will and Christy have to run away from these zombified kids and a few adults, and they're running through the woods, and the one person that refused to do the obstacle course <laughs> finally gets that pull. We finally get that payoff. She gets run completely through, and uh, I think Will just gets eaten up or yeah. whatever. But, I mean, didn't they say the the Americans were missing in the beginning? Yeah. Did maybe they the cops these bodies? maybe the cops covered it up uh, maybe i don't know but that was kind of a rad twist i thought you had the twist of the kids showing up but they stop them before they get to the well water even though you thought for sure that was going to be the twist payoff and then the sprinklers go off and that's how they change and i thought that that was pretty neat
1: yeah they uh, the movie does a lot of little things that are very cool You can tell they were trying really hard to do something different, which is always appreciated. It's just that sometimes different things don't work out. And this movie didn't really work out for me because it's hard to watch a movie where you just kind of go back and forth. This person's bad. Now this person's bad. Now this person's bad. It makes the
0: movie seem a lot longer and more convoluted than it actually is when you do that. Mm -hmm. I thought it was neat. I don't think they handled it well. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of really neat things like that, but just not handled very well. So it's not, like I gotta say, I can't recommend it. But I think it's pretty innovative in certain
1: ways. Exactly. That's why when you ask me, should they see it, it's hard for me to answer that because I feel like this movie tried things and I appreciate that about it.
0: I mean, if you're the type of person who watches a lot of the movies that we talk about here, then yeah. Go ahead and watch it. We're not going to tell you not to watch it, but if you don't know if you want to watch it or not, and you don't watch all the movies we watch, this should be one of the ones maybe you don't watch. Yeah, you can skip it. Um, not the greatest film ever made.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not an interesting. It's not a really interesting story. There's nothing amazing with the acting or the direction or the cinematography. Nothing like that. It's just that it. Tried things, right. you know. It was like, hey, no one's ever done anything like this, and if they have, sorry guys, I don't know. Yeah, I can't think. Right. Of, yeah, no. If they I have, can't think of another movie that does this, if they have,
0: comment under this episode and let us know.
1: I almost like know. wish, I almost wish that Christy hadn't been such a selfish bitch, because I would have liked it more because it would have been tougher because you don't hate any of them. You're not rooting for any of them to be killed. You're right. hoping that they'll all survive.
0: And I get that it's more heartbreaking that that Michelle dies before Christy does, and it's because Christy's selfish. Like, I get that, but now you're left with Will and Christy, who are treated basically exactly the same from here on out. Mm-hmm. Even though Will is a lot better person than Christy is. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Do you have any additional comments on this one? Lightning round? I just have a couple of things. This could be set anywhere. The premise is total bullshit. (laughs) Except for the end where the kids actually show up. It could have been. It didn't have to be a group of kids in Spain. It could have been relatives coming to visit. Well, I think the idea is
1: that. They're shouting at them not to drink it, and they don't really speak English, so they don't understand what they're yeah, saying. Maybe. But, I mean, kids wouldn't listen to counselors anyway,
0: there, so... <laughs> there isn't a lot of language barrier stuff. They run into the druggies who don't appear to speak English. The
1: doctor who dies, or the... No, the guy who runs the, ca- the camp. The guy who runs the camp Antonio? shows up? No. The adult man who owns it shows up at one point, and oh, she's... Maybe. Uh, and she's shouting at him, we need to go, like, crazy shit is oh, happening. Oh, yeah, I remember
0: that. And he's yeah. just
1: like, no hablo inglés. <laughs> yeah, what
0: are you talking about? <laughs> but there's not a lot of, I mean, you could get around that. I think the only reason that this is is because it's made in Spain <laughs> by, I I don't know, maybe Spanish people? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't look into the people that actually made the movie. But, um also, it has the trope of a guy with glasses loses them when when being chased.
1: Mm-hmm. Because always. <laughs>
0: you know how many times glasses fell off my head as a kid?
1: How often were you running for your life?
0: I was a kid. I was running everywhere. <laughs> I would go bike riding. I would do all sorts of stuff. I would climb in the forest around my grandparents' house. You know how many times I lost my glasses? Never. <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, yes. But... After I made it to grade school, like, never. So why does it always happen in these? It's like the people who make these movies have no idea what it's like to be a person who has bad eyesight. <laughs> anyway. All right, Kelsey. Yeah. What do you think the movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? 63. 44%. Wow. But there's not even a consensus. I didn't check to see how many votes there were, but it's not. there's not a lot of votes. Do you think overrated or underrated?
1: I'd say a little underrated.
0: I was thinking maybe like a 47, 48.
1: I'd give it like a 58. You think? Wow. I have a lot of respect for movies that try things. Right.
0: Right. But then I think about how I gave Sleepaway Camp a 76, and I'm like, ugh. I know we're supposed to be grading these completely independent, and it's not a comparison, but still... I could maybe be argued to get it up to 50, where it's it's not a good movie, but it does a lot of really neat things. Like I didn't like it, but I appreciated it. Maybe fifty-fifty? But I think forty-eight.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I It's like when I'm grading a kid's work and I'm like, damn, this person tried really hard.
0: Right, yeah. You know? They definitely get credit for that. Exactly. Alright. Kelsey, hmm. there oh, there is no Metacritic rating. <laughs> so, you know. That was 2015's Summer Camp. Kelsey, what are we watching next week?
1: Well, um the movie got changed because we got a uh recommendation. I mean, this upcoming movie was on our list already. But then uh, we got asked to do it, so we decided to uh, move it up. So Brian the One, you can find him on Twitter, Brian the One. He recommended that we watch Hellraiser, Um, and like I said, that was already on our list, but we decided to move it up.
0: Right, because we love Hellraiser. We haven't gotten through the entire series, but we
1: watched. We watched, I think,
0: five of them. They are.
1: They get worse and worse. We never (laughs) got
0: to space. We never got to the internet, um, but we did get to Adam Scott as a foppish aristocrat.
1: <laughs> um,
0: it's, it's a very weird series, and none of them are nearly as good as the first one. But the first one is incredible, and it's a classic. Clive Barker's first film uh, that he wrote and directed. So, really, really good. Highly recommended. What are we watching with it?
1: We Are Still Here.
0: That sounds really familiar.
1: I know I've seen it. I don't know if you've seen it.
0: What's said that one about?
1: Uh, I don't want to give it away.
0: Okay. We Are Still Here. I feel like I...
1: It's on Netflix. I've seen it. Maybe I've seen it too? I don't know. I really liked it, so... Okay. All right. Uh,
0: so, next week, Hellraiser and We Are Still Here. Until then... You can always reach us at podcemetery.com where you can browse all of our episodes, along with a list of every movie we've ever had on the show. We are up to like 70 something now, so getting up there. You can leave a comment to share your thoughts on these movies on the website there, or you can recommend one or two for us to cover in a future episode. You can also email us at podcemetery at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at podcemetery. I'll sometimes add commentary or respond to your comments. Kelsey will do that as well. She'll also live tweet a random horror movie. We recently watched Open House.
1: The Open House. Which is a
0: Netflix original horror movie.
1: Oh, God.
0: (laughs) That was bad. Garbage. That was real bad. And so you can hear Kelsey go off on that movie. (laughs) And then start to kind of maybe like it and then immediately turn again. No, 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 no. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your podcatcher of choice. Until next week, I've been Chris.
1: I've been Kelsey. And this has
0: been Pod Cemetery. Kelsey, what parting comment do you have to share with the audience this week?
1: Eat shit and live, Bill. When I look into your eyes, it comes as no surprise. You're slipping away. So cool.
0: Tell what she's saying. Do you understand what she's saying? Because I don't understand what she's saying. (laughs) That's not going in the episode. That's going to have to take out. (laughs) No, that's not going in the episode either. Okay. (laughs) Julia? Julia? Julie? Judy.
1: Ricky, don't lose that number. It's the only one you want. Somebody please help them. Yeah, Cut to a person out. floating. Somebody
0: play the dad floating up. Somebody fucking Judy. The next movie that we're talking about, yeah, hold on, let me just quiet time?